So we are here uh, for the first time ever. Uh, this is this conversation has never happened before. Uh, talking to uh, talking to finance blogger Quanti and One, and uh, we've got a few Q drops for you. But yeah, we have a legit we... secret informant. We have a secret informant. But before we and and we're going to talk be talking all about Tesla and irrational exuberance and how our current macro economy has decided that that's really the only thing it has to offer Riley, anyone. Riley. When yeah. you say macro economy really fast, it just sounds like McElroy economy. And <laughs> oh, I'm- oh, beans juice. Oh, beans juice. We fucking. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, beans. We forgot to we forgot to have interest rates be at a sane level, and now the world is stupid. Um, but no. So, but Q, I want to ask you one question: Why is the electric car the future, and why are the trolls and short sellers wrong about Henrik Fisker? Uh. Fisker Automotive, and more importantly, Fisker Lifestyle. Well, I mean, as, as, as a devotee of the Fisker Lifestyle, I'm, I'm wearing one of Henrik Fisker's uh, shirts right now, suitable for either the boardroom or the discotheque. Uh, <laughs> and and, and it's, it's not just a car. It's everything that goes with the car. It's a way of life. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Hen- Henrik Fisker starts a uh, space program that's just about sending uh, sensible teak furniture uh, to orbit Mars. <laughs> um, so Hen- Henrik Fisker, if you don't know, is just like, uh, fuck, how would you even describe him? Non-billionaire like tra- Elon Musk. Yeah, the trad Musk. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a trad Danish Musk who came into the he's, super the electric like the vehicle business. He's like the Society of St. Pius X, but for like making electric cars. He's like a Sede Vacantis Tesla well- guy. He basically st- he started a version of te- of Tesla quite a while ago. It's just he didn't have an emerald mine in his background. Yeah, that's the, uh, that's the secret. You gotta have an emerald mine. Uh, oh, oh, there's your problem. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's we are what we are interested now in in Trash Future is please send us a Fisker lifestyle shirt because we're going to ride this be- this bull to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> the shirts are so hideous. Welcome back to this free episode of Trash Future, the podcast that only gets recorded one time uh, and never has audio problems. Uh, we are here. Uh, we are here, and we is myself, Alice, Hussein, and Nate. Uh, Milo is off shopping with his mom and forgot we had recording today. <laughs> um, Why do you have to like include that detail? Just that own simp. Head? Yeah, simping, simping, simping for, your mom. for yeah. big mom. Yeah, he's in the pocket of big mom. Um, he's yeah. Milo, Milo is off dressed as a little sailor, licking a giant lollipop, <laughs> saying, "Ah, oh, I would ever so love a figgy treat, mummy." Um, no, uh, and we are very happy to be joined uh, by Quanti and One, a finance blogger and general critic of all things exuberant, uh, who has a little disclaimer before we ca- crack on. Uh, so first of all, it's finance TikTok now. That's where all of the hot teens uh, and, and finance kids are sharing their Robin Hood tips. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I, I just want to say it, it, it is a pleasure to be on this podcast, which will be the first time I have ever 
uh, been on Trash Future as a guest, uh, and, and definitely not, you know, the second or third attempt at recording this. Uh, <laughs> and, and I just want to add a brief disclaimer, which is that uh, nothing I say should be imputed as financial advice, uh, and that my firm may, in fact, be short Tesla at any given time. Uh, I know this is a shocking revelation that a hedge fund would be short Tesla and, and go on a, a, a podcast to say shit about it. But yeah. Well, there's something something I've realized, uh, sort of speaking to you, as I've realized that Trash Future really is the <laughs> world's least successful short hedge fund. <laughs> well, we're also still, le for legal purposes, we are still an oil warehouse. So. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we briefly, be yeah, that's right. We did briefly become an oil warehouse back when it was free. <laughs> um, <laughs> We're still no. waiting for that money from Chevron for like storing all of this oil. <laughs> yeah, we bought we we announced we were purchasing Infinite Oil, and I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Uh, we became the monopolist by gaming the rules. But uh, so what we're going to do today is we are going to talk about mostly Tesla. We're going to talk about some of the environment that led to Tesla, and a lot of it's going to be around answering one core question: Why is Elon Musk like this? <laughs> uh, it, also, the other question is. Tesla's been around for 17 years. It's been inhaled as this incredible disruptor akin to the iPhone or whatever. But and it's the world's now it's the world's most valuable car company and it retains 0.5% of the global car market. Um and so we're going to try to square that circle over the course of the next hour or so. Um but in order to get there, we're going to start with a little bit of macro, a little bit of what's going on with trading and retail investing, and then we're going to get into uh, the dark undercurrents of the Elon Musk sideshow. Um, so before we, so in order to do that, uh, Q, you actually sent me a really good lunch for the FT article that basically could be replace every single season of our podcast. You could just delete it and put this this Please, up do not do that <laughs> do do not do that um and it's an interview with a sort of titan of short selling jim chanos uh chanos uh it says in the ft describes the current uh, environment as a fertile ground for people to play fast and loose with the truth and for corporate wrongdoers to get away with it for a long time uh he said reels off why a 10-year bull market driven by central bank intervention, a level of retail participation in markets reminiscent of the end of the dot-com boom, uh, post-truth in politics where my facts are your fake news, and Silicon Valley's fake-it-till-you-make-it culture, which is compounded by FOMO or the fear of missing out. All of this is exacerbated by lax oversight, where financial regulators and law enforcement are the financial archaeologists. They tell you after the company already collapsed what the problem was. And Guy in an SEC windbreaker, like dodging a giant rolling ball. But did you know that they uh they they, they got um uh, they got ICO windbreakers? Every every regulatory agency is just really um it's a, a windbreaker of, scheme. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a version, it's all the pocket of big windbreakers. It's, it's more of a version of Men's Warehouse than it is actually like <laughs> a really uh thorough way to prevent financial wrongdoing. But, but like there is a reason though why you can't replace uh, us, <laughs> your beloved podcast, with Jim Chanos, right? And that's that. Like he's just like, oh, that's that's how it is now for the last ten years. Uh, the the man has no history, right? It, well, <laughs> when has it not been like this? And in particular, like if you want a a time when there was like a ten year bull market, uh, with like a vast level of retail participation in the markets and like no truth in politics and faking it till you make it culture you could have talked about like 1928 you know yeah it's uh, it's it's um it's it's silent calvin coolidge uh post-truth politics 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but and it's yeah, we're all we're all living in a, the Hooverville of post truth. But uh, Q, I just wanted to know uh, what do you what do you make of that of that statement? Kind of how did we get here, and especially how does this contribute to big imaginary companies like Wirecard or possibly others? others. Yeah, I, I think it's not. I mean, obviously, Jim is is right about everything he says, but it's it's more that. The financial regulators and, and the law enforcement has become almost completely toothless. It's sort of a consequence of the hollowing out of the yeah, regulatory. It's called police abolition. We love it. <laughs> exactly. I, I believe in prison abolition for uh, Ken Lay, the CEO of that. <laughs> That's right. Him only. <laughs> yeah. M- Martin Shkreli is a political prisoner of conscience right now. That's uh, right. Uh, but it's it's... This environment has evolved whereby virtually any wrongdoing except for buying a Wu-Tang album is punishable by the SEC basically suing you and then settling out of court uh, for like a $10 million fine. You know, Elon Musk basically blatantly committed securities fraud and attempted to like lie and manipulate his stock price. Uh, And the SEC's punishment was to say that you can't tweet. uh, And he's completely ignored that to no uh, substantial consequence. Yeah. If I, even today, basically saying, yeah, we did the coup in Bolivia and we'll do it again. The cool guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, the, the man needs lithium. And, you know, we're never going to be able to play Rick and Morty theme Pong on our self-driving Teslas if we don't do a few coups. That's what this is for. Um, I mean, I think, I think the thing that's amazing about that is, like, they don't even have lithium from Bolivia. He was just like, doing a coup sounds cool and epic, so I'm going to admit to doing it. Uh, like it, it it's pure, like, the, the supply chain doesn't even touch the area. He's just like, oh, this will get me a lot of likes on Twitter if I say that we, like, you know, staged a CIA intervention in a South American country. Oh, so he's like, he's he's basically lying about committing crimes to get yeah. people to think he's impressive. Exactly. Heard that it's the same, yeah, it's the same as the Wirecard thing. Also, uh, very funny to me to be stealing valor from, like, John Krasinski from The Office. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I, I think I think it's, uh, it, it's awesome that uh, Silver Corp has gotten now bought out by Tesla and is being turned epic. <laughs> um, it's like, it's like, these are all, like, that's the, cr- the Venn diagram between Silver Corp and Elon Musk is uh, dipping my bullets in bacon, but for different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Alice, I like that you call what you call that a Christian Islamophobic Christian ham magic. Yeah, Christian ham magic. One of my favorite <laughs> genres of like uh, folk folk belief. Yes. Yeah. So it's this is and we're, a big part of this is this whole story of how Tesla got to be what it is is what I call the Elon Musk sideshow, but. I think let's before we get into that, right? I want to talk a little bit about Robinhood and retail investing because part of this story, not the whole story, but a part of this story, uh, and this is something that Chanos talks about as well, is this wide retail participation um, in markets that are so governed now by like high frequency trading algorithms and institutional investors who can like move the market with their own purchases that like a, a lot of these people are just sort of signing up through these apps to kind of give money to short sellers and prop up the, st- the stocks of either bankrupt companies like Hertz because they like, I don't know, got like um, the intelligent investors summarized to them in three seconds and then didn't really learn anything more about chapter 11 law or um, use it because, you know, they think that Elon Musk is epic and they love that he, you know, dunks on rose emoji Twitter. Yeah, so d- doing some day trading. Yeah, doing some day trading based on, on on who I like on on Reddit. Uh, so 
let's talk a little bit about Robinhood. So a little bit of background. Uh, it is a, it's a Silicon Valley unicorn. It's worth $8.3 billion. And you can trade stocks and options and worryingly, really exotic options just on your phone. And um, <laughs> you just like pick up your phone and you're like, I, I have entered into a tontine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what it and what it is is basically it's a it is just a a no commission trading platform where every time Elon Musk says that you know he's he's going to he's going to build a diversion of Disneyland but without all the girl stuff on Mars a bunch of redditors can go and give a bunch of money to short sellers yeah what, what what you have to imagine is the wojack meme with the like the guy with the callart smile going so true <laughs> that but with like a a stock line <laughs> so um Q, could you explain a little bit about what, how, like, we, if we know, like, it's an app you can trade stocks on for free, um, and they claim to be democratizing finance for millions of new traders by making it possible to buy and sell financial products without make, paying a commission. Can you explain how this is bullshit and how everyone is getting a bad deal who uses it, except, like, the four people who profit from it? Yeah, I, I mean, so you know how Twitter, like, redesigned their interface a couple of months ago, so it's all, like blank white space and like smooth rounded blue buttons mm -hmm. like imagine if you had that app but like every time you press the button it just like wrote a hundred dollar check to citadel securities <laughs> uh, so, so 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 the robin hood is commission-free trading uh but obviously they're still making a lot of money and and they make their money in basically two ways the first way is sort of the way that you know Every unscrupulous person makes money, which is just charging exorbitant interest rates to people uh, to borrow it. So they 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 don't offer margin loans, but they will offer to increase your buying power for a quote unquote monthly fee. <laughs> if you get Discord Nitro, yeah, I, I think my my bank charges me that. I get uh, I'm, I'm a gold member of my bank, and I have a little card, and it's just a 19.9 percent .9 of whatever I buy. It's awesome. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's it, it, it's Sharia compliant because they're not charging it. <laughs> but but the other product that Robinhood is, has I think been very clever in monetizing is that they've realized that their biggest asset is that they have a bunch of like Epic Bacon redditors as their primary like target market, and these are people who know literally nothing about companies or in mm. investing or option trading or anything like that. So all of the trades that they're placing are basically like pure random noise. Uh, so you can sell this random noise to market makers and, and market makers can use this as like a benchmark. So they say, hey, you know, the idiots on Robinhood are putting in 55% buy orders from Tesla and 45% sell orders. And this like dark pool that's got a bunch of like Wall Street hedge funds in it is putting in like 60% sell orders. So they probably know something that Robinhood does not. Uh, and, I, and I don't want to match their orders. Right. I love so much that uh, democratizing access to finance means instantly creating a kind of dumb money surveillance operation. Yeah, I was, I, I was, I was going to say that, like, um, and this definitely wasn't said in the last recording, but this is basically like what happened. Like, democratizing finance is basically what happens when you like give these types of tools to shit posters. So it's like it's fascinating how much like the Tesla stock has, you know, that so much of its kind of like the line going up stuff comes from like shit posters who give bullshit information mm. and day trade, especially like, especially like guys who have found themselves, especially recently, like at home and they're just day trading because there's like nothing else to do to like take these bullshit, 
Um, well, it's like a Reddit spots. subculture too, right? As yeah. You, like, yeah. You, you post your epic trades, and it's yeah. like just this weird kind of like cosplay thing where you're just like spending all of. I'm gonna switch from like buying Ukrainian uh, forest warden patches to like spending all of my disposable income on uh, a trader jacket. I interviewed a few of these day traders like like last year when I was doing some stories about people getting into day trading and. Like one of the common things that I sort of found was that they just liked the idea of like having two monitors and like looking at a graph for a bit. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and it was like cool to like have your graph, have your like funky finance graphs on one screen, and your like Twitter where you're like shit posting and you know, uh, making you know, uh, making fun of women online yeah. and stuff like that on the screen. That is that is like the dude equilibrium. So I kind of respect. I, I respect that. <laughs> well, so these, if- these guys were all Bitcoin guys for, until yeah. like. Six yeah, months yeah, yeah. ago, right? Yeah. And now they're now they're into stonks. <laughs> I love that they've they've taken all of their all of the market acumen that they use to be become Bitcoin <laughs> to millionaires. Make Bitcoin, the most ex- incidentally, another thing which Elon Musk like used his powers of prediction about. I think. Yeah. There's like an old Elon Musk tweet that's like, uh, if Bitcoin isn't, oh no, fuck, it was John. It was McCaffey John McAfee's going to eat his dick. So so easy to confuse those two men. <laughs> uh, so a, a little bit on 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 Robin Hood that I think is very funny. Uh, number one, it was founded by some Occupy Wall Street people who were like, "We're going to democratize finance," uh, and they've done so again, as you say, Alice, by creating a surveillance network of dumb money, and as you say, Q, by making a benchmark of what's stupid that market makers can use <laughs> to gain edge. Um, and that's you could how- you could have done the same thing more cheaply by just having a dumb guy in a room with a Bloomberg terminal. <laughs> <laughs> I like to press the big green buttons, so that's probably like. <laughs> so, um, and as you say, how this actually works is the order flow, where all of the stocks that are par- all of the trades that are made in a day all get bundled up and executed all at once, uh, and um, and just sold on to these market makers. Uh, who they have existing relationships with that then sell them, give them money, and they're actually fined 1.25 million uh, for uh, for like not giving Pete and not fulfilling their obligation to give people the best price. But here's something very funny about Robinhood that I love, which is among people. I found this statistic, which is among people earning between 35 and 75 thousand dollars annually, stock trading activity increased by more than 90 percent. Um, versus the week before after they received this Trump stimulus check. <laughs> so <laughs> again, doing the Calart smile and funneling my stimulus money, which thanks to um America is the only thing that I'm gonna get directly into Elon Musk. <laughs> Effectively, yeah. See it's it's a way of like one Szechuan sauce, please. Yeah. It's like there was almost a slightly like countercyclical readers read every you know what I call it redistributive policy in the US. And then a company just got created to just swoop all that money right back up. <laughs> Which is hilarious when you consider how much of the federal you know stimulus funds are going to companies for bailouts. And it's like, mm. nope, not enough. We got more. We got more yeah. of the backdoor route. No, more of these need to go to companies. More, and that's the Elon Musk again on Twitter is like, "Oh, stimuluses are dumb," and it's like that stimulus money is all going into boosting the again. Is it boosting this Tesla stock price that much versus institutional investors? Probably not. But all that stimulus money is going into boosting the stock price. Buying Tesla stock specifically is like for every other company. If you buy the stock, like the company doesn't care. Like then they're like only very loosely and indirectly like compensated based on the stock price. But Elon Musk has like 
a $50 billion pay package that is directly linked to his stock going up. So it, it's literally you are writing a check to Elon Musk every time you buy his stock. Which is cool. He's going to be your best friend now. He's already That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Your Twitter he's idol. Invite you to, he's going to invite you to his parties with Grimes. Hell yeah. yeah. That's right. He's, he's going to reply to your tweet about missing Harambe. <laughs> Q, Q, before the during the previous recording, which definitely did not happen, you were about to respond to a question that I was trying to pose about some of the structural advantages that, uh, let's say, actual you know hedge funds and other institutional investors have versus a person with an app. And I was wondering if we could get your insights on that because I'm struck by how uh, how to phrase this. How how much the allure of being the cool day trader who makes it big could be, but also how much uh, just of a disadvantage people are at with regard to people who actually make money this way. Oh, uh, sure. I mean, like we have basically like a research budget uh, that that allows us to buy like any sort of data sources we want uh, that like normal investors would have no access to. Like you can, as an investor, you can buy things like satellite footage of, of, of car parking lots. So you can see uh, in real time, how many people are visiting a store. Just uh, pull up Elon Musk's genome here. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you can buy like people's credit card histories. So you see what the money they're spending it on. Uh, you can pay for like drones with infrared cameras to go like take pictures of like oil storage facilities. Uh, so you oh, know no, how much studio. oil there is in them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, we, we can get a spy satellite to look at the uh, Trash Future Global Headquarters and see exactly how many barrels of oil you have. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking about that. I remember hearing about a, a firm doing a thing where they couldn't necessarily talk to people below the C-suite in publicly traded companies, but they could talk to private companies. So they just hired hundreds of people to just call different supply chain private companies in related industries and just talk to them all day about stuff they were seeing. Like, and that's not even a tiny little percentage of their uh, of their overall budget. Mm. And th this kind of industrial espionage stuff aside, it's also like I have one big thing that we're not talking about. It's a lot harder to do insider trading when you're an epic Reddit guy who just has a phone. Right? Nobody's giving you tips. There's no channel for like getting inside information uh, the way that like Bill Ackman can just like call up, you know, the CEO of Valiant to be like, hey, are you guys going to make this quarter? Uh, which, you know, more or less is, is kind of like what he did. Uh, you know, he got like insider information about a merger. Uh, I, I think that was the uh, the Allergan merger, and, and he basically just traded on it, and it was totally legal uh, because the company signed off on it. They, they they literally gave him like a pass that said, "You may insider trade on this information we're about to give you." Uh, and he did it. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> just writing yeah. myself a permission slip. <laughs> yeah, it's co it's cool that you like it, that you can get like a hall pass for just like doing insider trading, and, and, but that's why like. Uh, and then what ha and then the converse of that you know is that someone on some some guy will see uh, something come up on reddit that's like uh e e elon elon musk's new tesla to say the cake is a lie and it's just like uh, uh yes please uh, 10 <laughs> shares and then all of that money just it goes to subsidize the activities of like again extreme like because we one of the things that we've talked about before on TF as well is that like money in some ways acts like a gravitational a gravitational object it bends things around it and so like 
when you ha- when you when the when the the firms or the companies and stuff get big enough, then it kind of doesn't matter because well that that trade that I make on you know seeing some article that just goes to subsidi- ends up subsidizing a research budget that ends up sort of giving that firm even more of an edge over me the random retail investor, and and even then my trade isn't even probably not even going to be profitable for me because mostly it's going to subsidize the order flow business of like Citadel. The more often you trade, the more you care about that. And so like Robinhood is, again, it's, it's like a Skinner box that, you know, it turns you into a monkey with cocaine injected into its brainstem because it's just like, it's the smooth, modernist, clean interface that's like, you don't buy a put option or a call option. You press a button that says like, stock go up or stock go down. Oh, um, no. And so it's, it's designed to be as seamless of an experience as possible to encourage you to trade as much as possible, which of course means that like, your order flow is now like a significant component of your return. Uh, as opposed mm. to like, if you just buy an ETF and you hold it for a year, like your order flow payment doesn't matter at all. Well, one of the few, yeah, well, one of the few pieces of like British nanny state legislation that I, I quite like is for day trading apps, which you can see, you can chart the economy as they advertise more. Um, the, the, you are legally required to put a big disclaimer on it that's like, you could lose all of your money. Uh, I, I I appreciate that, but like obviously, uh, if if you're in the U.S., particularly like the epic Reddit bacon guy doesn't like he's not going to pay attention to that, and he's going to be like, yes, one stonks, please. Yeah, well, th- mm. maybe those suckers will, but I'm investing in the Tony Stark company. <laughs> yeah, that's speaking right. of, he was in Iron Man too, man. S- speaking the best of the Tony, Iron Man. Speaking of the Tony Stark company, so we are having sort of talked about Robin Hood a little bit. Uh, I think now it's time to move into Tesla and answering. With these macro um, factors in mind, with understanding a little bit of what the retail investors are all about, let's try to understand Tesla, the company. Um, And I sort of, and and like I said earlier, what we're answering the question of is despite being around for so long and being hailed as an incredible disruptor, it's only got 0.5% of the global car market. Doesn't even have that much of the electric vehicle market. Um, And how much of a disruptor can you be for like 10 mm -hmm. consecutive years? Yeah, that's you. You can only be an upstart for so long. At some point, you're just like a forty year old living in your parents' basement. Mm. Um, and the the facile TF answer to this, uh, which is also the correct one, is that um, the line has stopped. It doesn't like relate to anything anymore. So you can just it it, it is literally just vibes. Elon mm. Musk can just be cool, and <laughs> that can make him uh, a a disruptor, and that can make him this you know powerhouse monopoly. <laughs> yeah. Well. Specifically, the world's most powerful car, the world's most valuable car manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, when was the last few- time you actually saw a Tesla with your eyes? To be fair, Quite I don't see them ago. very often in the UK. I did see them a lot living in New York, but yeah, here not so much. So yeah, you I see would- them everywhere if you're in California. It's just like literally every person, like the second that like their first big uh, tech paycheck salary hits, they immediately go out and they like buy a Tesla. Uh, and, and that's and you know what? That's where the money is. It's in the the high end, short, short, um, short fat end of the of the curve. It's definitely not in the long tail. Um, so we're going to be answering this question in a couple of ways. I want to start with something I call the Elon Musk sideshow, where Tesla as a company becomes a pro- a proxy for Elon Musk's whole thing, because SpaceX, mm. Neuralink, and the Boring Company uh, are all private. So. I think the best way to into, into this is to talk about the, his just sort of infantile blog 
where he has made two posts. Uh, the master plan, they are called. So, the first master plan, I've got- the, he has, Step one, inherit emerald mine. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, look, any good plan has to start with that. Uh, no, so the, the first master plan is create a low volume car, which would necessarily be expensive, which, credit to him, he has done. It, he has yeah, done, it is technically a car. Yes. So he has done this. Use that money to develop a medium volume car at a lower price. Uh, he, as uh, far as I know, has not really done this. Uh, I mean, Q, you, you sort of are a closer Tesla watcher than I. Has he accomplished step two of his master plan that he said in 2006? Uh, kind of. He's made, he's made the, model, uh, the Model 3, uh, which was kind of a problem because sort of the first, you know, 100,000 Model 3s that he made were like held together with like spit and, and rubber bands and, and were like barely functional as cars. Uh, but apparently if you buy one now, it's like about as good as like just a generic, like, you know, Ford, uh, sedan. <laughs> and he only makes what, like 0.1% of the uh, cars that Ford makes. Yeah. It's, it's cool. like Mark said, all that is solid melts into a kind of like medium price range sedan. Um, the third step, use that money to create an affordable high volume car. Hasn't done that. No. No. Has not done that. And the fourth step, provide solar power. No kidding, this has literally been on our website for 10 years already. Damn, what if we made the whole car out of solar panels? What if we made the roads out of solar panels? What if we made me, Elon Musk, out of solar panels? <laughs> so one of the things that he did, actually, was he predicted that 2019 would be what he calls the year of the solar roof. Sure, uh, yeah. I'm going <laughs> okay. to give everyone a moment to you can check... Go outside, check your roof. Check if it's solar. I'll wait. Okay, uh, we've paused. We're back. Uh, Q, is your roof solar? It is not. Uh, Alice, Nate? Uh, yeah, Mr. Rich Guy thinks I can afford a roof over here. <laughs> Who said your roof? Is it solar? I'm, I'm, I'm anti-sun by principle, so even if it was solar, I would reverse it. Yeah. Uh, so, so far, he's done the first thing. So he created a low, a low volume, expensive car, kind of did an okay medium volume car that's still very expensive, has not developed an affordable high volume car, uh, and just has bought a lot of lithium to make a lot of very large batteries that catch on fire all the time, and has also failed to uh, provide solar power. A company that was supposed to do this, which is the amazing thing, like he had Solar City. And it just like immediately went bankrupt because it's a terrible business. And so he sort of like bought it out by Tesla uh, and was like, oh, we're going to make solar roofs at Tesla. And it's like they've never produced anything remotely like that. Yeah. But what they have is they've talked about it. There were some and really sweet renderings of a house with a solar roof. As far as I'm aware, <laughs> that is the only real solar roof in existence. Yeah. Can, can we say that Elon Musk may actually be a multi-year plot by big rendering? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's he is just he's so in the pocket of CAD. Yeah, he's, yeah exactly. It's funny. Uh, just as you were discussing this, I pulled up the Tesla UK website to see you know what it looked like, <laughs> and there was of course a rendering of the Model Three like behind the wheel, but they had reversed the steering you know the steering wheel to look like a British car. But it's so very obviously supposed to be in California, and it's so obviously on the wrong side of the road that I just had this shock of disorientation because like this can't exist. This isn't real. <laughs> no, it's good. UK people that drive Teslas all uh, are basically all just hopped up on so many of the like, you know, uh, 
prescription drugs they only give rich people that they just they forget what side of the road to drive on. So uh, that was his first master plan, which basically is all about saying, oh, no, the Tesla, I just realized that to do this grand global libertarian energy revolution, like to change the energy mix of the of the world it's not a political question it's just a question about is the technology there and can we scale it and so the idea is oh tesla is going to just be this thing that finances um uh, the wide adoption of uh, of solar power and green transportation everywhere um and again this is it is a luxury car company but here's master plan part de as he says fucking asshole uh, <laughs> Create stunning solar roofs with seamlessly integrated battery at integrated battery storage. Wrongo. <laughs> do, do you want like a, a Price Is Right losing horn for these? Yeah. yeah uh, if if you have one to hand, otherwise I'll just continue doing wrongos. Yeah, um, you go ahead. Expand the electric vehicle product line to address all major segments. Well, he does have the Cybertruck. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Hasn't hasn't done that. Develop a self-driving capability that is ten times safer than manual via massive fleet learning. Uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, Hugh, can you confirm the sad horns? Yes, it's very sad. The, the thing about his self-driving capabilities is like every other self-driving car drives with radar. Like it uses lidar to like actually physically detect if other cars are there. But Elon Musk who is also overseeing the self-driving program for some reason, just decided that you don't need to do that. So he just uses cameras, which means there's been a bunch of incidents where like there's a white panel van on a cloudy day next to the Tesla and the Tesla just like drives straight into it because the camera can't distinguish between the van and the sky. Yeah, yeah. but on the plus side, we did make PayPal much more irritating to log into. <laughs> um, and also like there are what's that um, unintentional high speed acceleration incidents I think they're called uh, <laughs> yeah. Oopsie, there are, yes it's, it's something there is there's an acronym I don't think that's uh, it I think but normally very you would use uh, perhaps use the word careen <laughs> <laughs> some, ki some kind some kind of hydroplane uh, yeah and the final one, my favorite one, my favorite part of Tesla's mass fleet master plan is enable your car to make money for you when you aren't using it. So, um, so the, I the car is going to get a Robin Hood account and it'll just day trade for you. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's going to be it's going to be just a, a, a mass amount of just of just cars crashing into panel vans. And then buying stock in Hertz Rent-A-Car, which was bankrupt two years ago. No, it's like you short the U-Haul stock as you were about to hit the U-Haul. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just um, it, it turns out the subject of history was the self-driving car. Um, so uh, that's what I think is really funny. So enable your car to make money for you when you aren't using it, which basically means... Um, a vast distributed public transport network of self-driving taxis owned just by you, the the customer. Yeah, what what does he call them again? It was like teletaxis or something. Yeah, something like this. Robotax, robotaxis. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So you would, you would just be able to get like a ride in somebody else's car because they were not going to be using it. I guess. Yeah, well, because I love they it when I, my, my car just randomly leaves the garage at 2 a.m. to pick up like <laughs> five drunk people who immediately throw up all over it. Yeah. I just 
parks in the garage, ready for me to go to work in the morning at 6 a.m. Covered mm. in vomit. That yeah. sounds like a great experience to earn 20 bucks. I, I, I love to like be in a taxi going home and then the entire car to like veer around in a handbrake turn and throw me out of the back because the guy who owns it needs to drive unexpectedly. <laughs> no, no one's ever needed to drive unexpectedly. Everything. Wait, are you saying that your fleet of personal assistants doesn't have your calendar planned out a year ahead of time? Huh? <laughs> weird. How, weird. Weird. How these guys keep making products that only work when you live their exact yeah, life. I, 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 it's, it's weird. I get called into work on an emergency, and like my car arrives full of taxi riders I have inadvertently taken hostage. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, court, it, we, eh? we live. We live in a future where everyone can experience the last long shot of the long Good Friday. So, I mean, what I what I really think of this, right? What te- what Musk is actually doing is he's saying like, he recognizes that there is a problem around like transportation and infrastructure and stuff, and he's saying, okay, how can I try to solve this problem libertarianly? And so, like, to the problem of mass uh, the mass of affordable uh, ecological mass public transit solved by a libertarian just involves all of these like ludicrous innovations and crazy assumptions and mass kidnapping and destruction of panel vans and being like, yes, yeah, so long as we can turn this luxury car company into like, you know, a loss leader for a transportation revolution, then we'll be able to solve the problem of green transport. Also, what's a train? <laughs> yeah, no, right. tra- trains, trains, the problem with trains is, right, you can't inadvertently kidnap anyone uh, with a train. Um, so, a train is a perfect way to uh, distribute uh, a discrete amount of uh, Libyan militiamen, though. That's right. That is true, yeah. So, my, um, ah, my, my car is arriving back at, filled with 15,000 Libyan militiamen. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> They're uh, all so, like fourteen thousand of them are just like riding on the roof like a technical. <laughs> so uh, I'm now going to. Uh, this is something I took from from CNBC, uh, uh, and this is a report about how after a German court ruled last week that Tesla cannot meaningfully describe their cars as having any kind of quote unquote autopilot. Um, <laughs> and I take that fact now. Let it rest in the context of the following litany. Musk first started talking about autopilot in 2013, saying that generalized full autonomy, so like a fully self-driving car that you don't need to touch or look at, was in development by 2015. By 2016, Tesla told customers that all its cars in production would include full self-driving hardware. That hardware did not arrive until the spring of 2019. And although Tesla has been promising uh, self-driving cars since 2016, it still hasn't demonstrated the cross-country hands-free drive Musk said would be possible by the end of 2017. In April 2019, Musk said, We expect the feature complete complete in self-driving this year, and we expect to be confident enough from our standpoint to say that we think people do not need to touch the wheel and can look out the window sometime probably in the second quarter of next year, aka at the time of this recording. Uh, Musk said in a, a t- call with investors then in May 2019 that Tesla expected to have 1 million vehicles on the road by the end of 2020 that are able to function as robo-taxis. So, cute. Do you feel stupid now that I've told you that that's what's happening? <laughs> yes, I, I, I should have realized that I actually took a robo-taxi to this recording. And there was a massive oversight on my part. No, so, uh, so what is? Oh what, no, I took a fake robo-taxi. <laughs> oh no. So Q, what is your... I like the idea that yeah, it's, yeah. it's like the, the mechanical Turk 
where it's just they have a self-driving car, but there's like a midget in a box in like <laughs> under the hood. Yeah, it's just gonna be like those delivery robots. You're just gonna have a guy in Colombia driving your car remotely. <laughs> oh god, I've lathed the I've lazed. You've I've lathed the Yeah, it's uh, gonna happen. So what but what is your what is your take on this? Just this timeline of oh this great the the technology the keystone technology that's going to revolutionize it and that's going to justify our valuation that makes us a tech company rather than a car company that gives us this monopoly it's always a day away. I mean it's it's always been a day away and there's no reason to think that like when eventually that day comes like Tesla would be the one to have it like. Waymo, which is the Google sort of project that does this exact same thing, uh, basically they tested their cars in, I want to say Phoenix, Arizona, which is literally the perfect place to test a self-driving car. Like it's dry, it's hot. There's only like single vehicle, like single occupant vehicles on the road. It's a perfect grid. There are no like three-way stops or anything. Uh, And they found that like at the one three-way stop in the entire city, just every single one of Google's cars would get backed up in a huge line that would be hundreds of like cars long in this random suburb uh, because like it it couldn't understand how to navigate a a, like one-way, three-way stop with no sign. Uh, Something that like a 16-year-old driver could do. so, so even this technology that's like miles more advanced than Tesla's is still like years out from development. Yeah, and it just, it, it just, it really, it is really quite an image. Just like go, getting up to go to work one day, opening your bedroom door, and finding just thirty uh, unoccupied Toyota Priuses with cameras on them, just <laughs> idling in your hallway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, we're working out the bugs. We're working out the bugs. So, um, <laughs> Ark Invest has predicted that uh, a full that a robo taxi business could lift Tesla's shares to as much as six thousand dollars. Which again, what, what, that's what are they at that time of recording? Um, Fourteen hundred dollars. Yeah. Uh, however, they wrote that some- when the price was like one hundred and fifty dollars, though. Yeah. So it's already most of the way to their estimate, uh, <laughs> and it's just. It, Wall Street responds to stuff like this, where it's like, oh, you know, we thought this stock was worth $500, but it's suddenly like increased by a factor of 10 on us. We'll just raise the price target. So now we think it's worth $3,000 instead. Well, it's that FOMO thing that uh, we were talking, that Chanos was talking about at the very beginning, right? It's the, it's this idea that you have, it's because if your, if your whole economy is based around chasing monopolies, then you kind of there's no if you put enough if you put enough bets on trying to find the next monopoly it, you only have to it only has to work once you know it you only have to identify the right monopoly once that's why like masayoshi san gets to just like say ah yes i think this you know um this dog walking business with an email address is worth you know 14 billion dollars because he called alibaba right and now he gets to just basically fuck up the economy and and sort of externalize his weirdness on everything else you know, so it's no surprise that it once tech once Tesla says we're going to do robo taxis, it doesn't matter that they're like the least advanced in a field of other players who are nowhere near that. Um, they're still going to have their stock just sc- like skyrocketed to the moon, and then Elon Musk himself will take back take home a huge fat check because of what he did to the stock price. And when the stock price is based on vibes, there, there's doesn't matter what the underlying company's doing. <laughs> Ugh. 
God damn. Letting go stop. Fu- it makes us feel so good, right? <laughs> I love I love doing this show. Um so if we take seriously, right, the this the idea that it is all based on um on a, a telling a good story about becoming a monopoly, that Elon Musk is perhaps the least fit person to like to actually lead this transportation revolution. He keeps posting. He will never log off. Well, because he just unfollowed his wife. <laughs> well, I think fundamentally, <laughs> fundamentally, right? He's P.T. Barnum. He's not the Wright brothers. You know, he's a showman. Hmm. Um. But uh, Hussein, you've been mentioned earlier. You want to talk about the uh, the nerds yeah. online? Uh, so yeah, people's I mean- people's relationship with Elon Musk it goes beyond parasocial. It's like devoted. He's like their pharaoh. It's and so. Yeah. It, it's 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 a very weird part of like internet subculture, and I feel like it does feed on what we were talking about in the previous section, which is really just about vibes and how, um, you know, how you can really build a cult purely around those vibes. So, I made some kind of joke which featured no, I I responded to a Bernie tweet where who like so he uh, when Elon talked about how um, the US doesn't need to do like another major stimulus package. Uh, because it should do UBI instead, which like we've spoken about is sort of like a brain dead idea that doesn't like address any kind of structural problems. Um, so I responded to Bernie just saying, you know, get his ass and stuff like that, like a very kind of innocuous and yeah, basic tweet. And for the next few hours, um, I have all these kind of people who are like, you know, uh, read, read the Fred blue check mark. Um, you know, listen to what he's saying, you, you know, read the stuff. Don't mark, like, do you, do you know how to read blue check mark? Well, there's lots of it was like, you know, you have a blue check mark and everything, which yeah. is something that I should really unpack on like another <laughs> podcast of some sort. <laughs> right. uh, um, but when you go into, when you go into the profile of these people, they all have the same type of bio, which is like lover of SpaceX or, um, aspiring Tesla bio. <laughs> or like, oh right. It's like these really cringy things that it's, are kind it, of like, are you trying to get Elon to like notice you? And what I found was like the, the, the similarity, the thing that like really binds these people together are they're, they're very kind of like they're dumb versions of Stan Twitter. So the people who are like really into Taylor Swift or BTS or like other types those of K-pop bands, versions of Stan. Right. Twitter. But the thing is, but the thing is, they're like those stands are at least like they sort of have some degree of self awareness, right? Or they have like they're kind of at least somewhat critical, at least like peripherally speaking. Even though like lots of them will kind of like make your life a misery if you say that like John Cook isn't beautiful or whatever. Mm. But with the Elon guys, like they are just, they're just completely unhinged. So when you say to them, but like, okay, well, you know, if you're, if you're, if you love Tesla so much, like, can you kind of explain like why it doesn't make any money or like, can you, can you explain like, you know, why like their earnings are so mis like that or they, they just, they just have like a history of like financial irregularity, which uh, kind of lends itself to maybe uh, some kind of corruption. Um, and what they'll say to you is like, well, Elon's smarter than all of us, including me. So I can't answer those questions, but all I know is, is that the line keeps going up and you should buy Tesla stock hashtag, you know, Tesla. Mm. Um, and, so it's, it's kind a- of like, it's, it's like arguing with someone who, uh, like, they start off as a, stand, as a stand, but they ultimately become, like, an automated bot. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's also interesting, mostly- like, the, the extent to which they, like, they get very into the vibes of Elon's other companies, like, into SpaceX, into the boring company. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. A, as a way of propping up, like, 
uh, a car company, I guess. But the thing like, is, like, they even even they sort of openly admit, like, these companies might be junk and they might not be worth anything. But it's like Elon, the visionary, like Elon, like is someone who's smarter than all of us. So you just have to trust in Elon, which like explains a lot of what we've been talking about in terms of like why like Tesla seems like you know goes through these periods of like overvaluation and seems to kind of like project project this kind of aesthetic of being a like successful modern sustainable um engineering company uh it's purely based on the fact that like elon musk and you know maybe it goes right to back to the beginning of what we were talking about which is like why elon won't stop posting like maybe it's because like the posting element of elon musk is like necessary for that whole company to survive go ahead go ahead. yeah whomst among us has not unfollowed our wife yeah, like if, if if you look at the CEO of like GM or, or or whoever, like she's just like a generic rich lady. Uh, you know, there's there's nothing to relate to. Uh, but if you look at like Elon Musk, you're like, oh, this is a guy who's on Twitter at 3 a.m. like screaming at somebody and calling them a blue check mark idiot. Like I can relate to that. <laughs> you know, I I should buy this guy's stock because he's just like me. Well, uh, um, it, it's a parasocial relationship that's like deliberately cultivated by Musk. Oh yeah, it's sometimes you can really tell that he like, like puts on, puts on the troll face, right? And he's like, oh, "I'm gonna do some posting about uh, pronouns is dumb, uh, le epic bacon harambe," and it's like, okay, fine, just g give me the give me the GM lady who just like does not post and goes to the fucking Wayfair cabinet opening parties. <laughs> I, I really, I really do appreciate the concept that basically you take the worst elements of online culture, and if you could just get them to IPO, then like they would perform as well as as Tesla does. I mean, well, ima first? imagine if uh, actually, you know what? I don't want to go down that road because I don't want to make fun of podcast listeners because that's how I pay my rent. But at the same time, like you could, you can the idea that their edge in the market is basically like they just got a ton of subreddits that are really into them is weird, but also apparently true. Well, like, this is the thing, right? The, th the thing is that, like, the difference, right, is that we are using this to pay uh, some of our rent and also not, like, making this uh, the cornerstone of the economy and also destroying the fucking night sky as a hobby. Well, yeah, I mean, um, I, mean, I so would like the idea that we could actually get people to take us seriously, you know, from an investment perspective if we just made similarly out outlandish claims. But then instead of being about space travel or solar roofs or self-piloting electric cars, it was just like, we will end sex by 2025. That's right. Um, uh, so I, what I find very interesting, though, is that all of these people's identity is basically wrapped up in, lest we forget how the economics of this actually happens, um, subsidizing Q, <laughs> making your business work. <laughs> by, by be it's it's <laughs> the, the Tesla stock is, is like, obviously... In recent months, it has not been so great for short sellers, but like there was a stretch of like eight or nine years from like 2012 to, uh, you know, to, to 2019, where the stock basically went nowhere. And it was just all of these people were buying money and, and then short sellers were just selling short the company and taking the cash and investing it somewhere else. And it, it was a great trade. Yeah. So it's it's like all all of these like ang all these like angry uh, blogs like Clean Technica basically just keeping you in like yeah like Premier Crew. It's cool, <laughs> um, but I think right to think about why he's relatable. My my position on on this is that Elon Musk is like he's the last promise. 
right? That the model we've been living under for the last several decades, where some very small number of people are elevated to the towering heights of prosperity at the expense of more or less everyone else, this innovation-led, business-friendly, blah, 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 tech economy, whatever, is a worthwhile trade that results in anything more than incremental positive changes in quality of life. Because what he's promising is, he's saying, we're going to live on Mars, and I'm going to put billions behind that, and we're going to have infinite Jetson-style... Um, abundance of solar power and and self-driving cars and all these wonderful stuff because like there's very little in the economy that's actually promising that anymore and the last time that that was promised en masse was the 60s the last time anything ever happened like that was like the what like the iphone you know it's it is i think really a lot of it is if musk goes like if he if he stops being a, a going concern like his company stop being going concern um if he if it's shown to be you know not not all that it's cracked up to be if it's shown to sort of mostly be stories and vibes then what did we endure all this inequality for you uh-huh. know uh being epic getting the sauce back at mcdonald's briefly yeah, <laughs> yeah. um so uh, on on the Tesla trolls, uh, I which I really enjoy. I went to a, just a few of the blogs, and a lot of these people are they are mostly about posting. So here's a quote from uh, uh, Clean Technica, a very pro Musk blog. A few months ago, I was working on a post about the SEC and Elon Musk, and I asked people on Twitter for input, and Elon actually joined the conversation. I wasn't prepared for what came next. For several days, I had an endless supply of Tesla Q guys attacking every word, sometimes in nasty and personal ways. Not much later, it suddenly stopped. I'd been added to the list of pro-Tesla accounts for automatic blocking, but I was still curious, why would people act like that? So I decided to go undercover and join the ranks of the trolls. Yeah, so explain to me real quick what Tesla Q is, right? Because like, it seems like it's this Tesla hate them, which obviously we're all part of. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think Tesla Q is basically all of the people whose brains were broken because they shorted Tesla for like the first bounce when it went from like $20 a share to 200. Uh, <laughs> and they concluded that like, this is a company that doesn't make money. Therefore it must go bankrupt tomorrow. And, and they like never factored in that like all of these Epic bacon Redditors would just. Yeah, <laughs> no, you, you, you can't just like, uh, keep your value going up and your accounts receivable without making any car arenas. <laughs> so what, what I've referred to them as, as a kind of Seth Klarman Fedayeen dedicated to doing whatever it takes to making this stock behave like its fundamentals dictate it should be. Like, mm. they are just willing to do anything. We're gonna bend this girder back into place because that's what the laws of physics say it should be doing. And so that's what we're gonna do. Also, the reason why it's Q, uh, it, if the listeners don't know, is that like it's what you put on a stock ticker for a company symbol once that company goes bankrupt. So it's aspirational to be like bankrupt Tesla. Yeah. Uh, personally, I- I'm starting a new loosely affiliated online group of stock of stock market pickers, but I'm doing one that's more likely to be successful sooner. Uh, it's called Hertz Q. <laughs> <laughs> I basically just, I, I just exist to, um, to, to point out to all those guys on Robinhood who think they're doing a really in- good like value trade by buying like calls on Hertz, uh, and I'm just I'm uh, cheering on them, subsidizing the creditors who are just being like, "Well, thank you for the free money." Um, but the funniest element of the Tesla Q thing, though, is like this is huge. It's a it's an online subculture, yeah, of like of like the finance. It's 
of the of the finance people who just like got mad about the trolls. Like they all they're all just mad at the trolls. Tesla Q is mad at the trolls. Pro Tesla is mad at the trolls. It's all trolls all the way down. But they're willing to take it off the screen. The funniest element of this to me is that when they took it offline and into the real life, they developed something called the Shorty Air Force. Which is a group of of just guys who are short Tesla who fly drones over and through the Tesla factories because they're convinced that no one's actually there working. That rules. There's amazing stuff that it's like that they take pictures of like the scrap, uh, like the, the these trailers full of like scrap, and they're like fomenting these conspiracy theories that basically like oh like Tesla claims that they're making like. 5,000 cars a week, but like a third of those cars are scrap and they're piling up in these like unmarked trailers uh, in, in, in like uh, like an abandoned uh, like construction site in Fremont and stuff like that. Yeah, and, and it's this to- it's this total when prophecy fails shit too, because like they're all convinced it like you say, they're convinced it's going to happen tomorrow. And it's true. Like we know we don't need um, like Tesla Q Shorty Air Force to like go and take pictures to know that like the Model Three like historically wasn't a very good car. We don't need that to know. No, that, you can like- just look in Elon <laughs> Musk's replies for a guy who's like, um, Mister Mister Musk, sir. I really admire all of your work, but I, I I saved up all of my savings at the racism factory and I bought this Model Three. And as soon as I got it home, both the bumpers fell off, and the steering wheel fell off, and the roof <laughs> fell off. And then just immediately after that, just being brigaded by like uh, Reddit guys, being like, "Well, clearly it's it's supposed to do that." And also, you didn't uh, like correctly secure the bumpers on yourself. Yeah, that's right. Um, but like, it's but there, there. The conspiratorial thinking isn't really necessary because you know what we're um, what we're about to talk about right next is it's like yeah, it's all of the reasons that this is a bad company. It's it's all out there. It's a, a lot of it's just not hidden. Um, yeah, you could you could just look and be like, oh, this company makes zero point uh, five million cars a year. And Toyota makes like 15 million cars a year and it's worth more than Toyota. Like that's probably bad. Yeah. But how many, how much, like, uh, how many games of Tetris can you play on a Toyota? Huh? Huh? Um, so this is this this is our our last section on creative accounting and executive compensation. So last year the company posted a loss of 862 million against a turnover of 24.6 billion. And uh, again, half a million vehicles. It's just it's just um it's like a Rube Goldberg machine in terms of it's just inefficiency of using capital to make vehicles. Um but it has now become profitable for the first time ever. And uh, show of hands, virtually, who thinks that's because of selling cars? <laughs> <laughs> not I, not I, sir, not I. Um, Q, can you tell us uh, why, <laughs> what has actually caused Tesla to become profitable? Uh, so Tesla has basically discovered this loophole in, in sort of California energy regulations, <laughs> which says that like... If you're selling cars in California, those cars have to have like an average carbon emissions below a certain threshold. So like if you're Hummer, the only way you can sell your giant gas guzzling cars in California is to buy the credits of manufacturers that produce cars with low emissions and say, okay, now my average 
fleet emissions is is X, and that's below the threshold. So Tesla makes like literally like over a billion dollars a year just selling these carbon credits to other car manufacturers. They're, they're literally, they're profitable because they're being paid to be profitable by their competitors. You know what this really reminds me of? Uh, I don't know if um, part of the sort of whole green sill saga where um, uh, Sanjeev Gupta's energy company that actually just ended up being a way to privatize a bunch of um, subsidies from the government, right? Where it was, it was just, oh, yeah, I've realized if we just buy a bunch of diesel generators, make a bunch of predictions about how much energy we'll be able to generate, then we'll get a promise of subsidies from the government, and then we can securitize that promise and make the money without ever having to generate the power. <laughs> um, and and it's, this really reminds me of that, where he's just been like, wait a minute, for every car I make, I, I just, all I have to do is have a, a, have a car company that has, a, that doesn't make diesel cars or, or, or petrol cars. And I, I don't really even need to make cars. I can just sort of exist as a sort of conceptual middleman in this like regulatory loophole. <laughs> and so the thing making it profitable, it's not the, so the, 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 the promise was, right? If you think back, the promise was Tesla's going to be profitable because uh, it's going to you know, go from a low-volume, expensive car to a high-volume, cheap car, and they're going to be fully self-driving, and people are going to pay sort of upwards of sort of 8000 this year, then 10000 next year, then 40000 the next year uh, for, for it to have the self-driving software downloaded onto it and that ability unlocked. But actually, if you look at the way that they're making their money, it's mostly just this. It's just yeah, this. Every, every single quarter Tesla has made money, uh, their sales from energy credits have been larger than their net profits. <laughs> oh, God. So it, se it seems almost as if Tesla exists, uh, like because of like this again hollowing out of like the state and like this way of like funneling money from it into well Elon Musk, I guess. Mm. Right, the state couldn't just say like you have to sell cars that have emissions below this threshold. Like no. that would be socialism. Mm. Uh, instead, they have to set up this convoluted shell game where it's like, well, you get certain credits, and if you buy credits against your existing fleet, we'll give you a tax rebate, and that will allow you to sell cars at a certain discount. And it's this whole enormous convoluted system that has no sense or value except in as much that it allows, again, Elon Musk to basically cook his books and pretend his company is profitable so it gets included in the S&P 500. Yeah, hmm. and, and, and much, much like, um, much like uh, Greensill, like it's this kind of like allergy to government doing anything itself and so uh, just creating this kind of like gormenghast kind of bureaucracy. I just remember hearing people complaining about, I believe this is cap and trade, is that correct? Uh, it's more like cap and trade would be extending this idea to the enti entire economy instead of just being like car manufacturers. Like the, the UK has a system a lot like this too, uh, which is like Aston Martin by volume sells like this tiny electric car as their number one product, uh, like a smart car or whatever, because that's what allows them to sell like their huge V12 uh, gas guzzlers uh, that get like... I, I don't even know what the units are, like five miles to the gallon in metric. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and I think what you, what you look at, right, is this then Tesla is, can now, I think, from this angle, be seen as kind of an indictment of this whole approach to managing an economy where the government is the, well, the manager of the economy, the government, whatever, is scared to do anything other than what they think of as encourage more production. 
you know, the idea of, well, we can't discourage anything. We just have to create incentives here, here, and here. Because it was the case of Greensill. It's the case here. Someone just figures out how to privatize the incentive. And then we're back where we started. But one dumbass gets to, like, you know, post professionally now. Like, that's the change. Um, but if we want to talk a, a, little, a little bit more... Uh, we talked about the S and P 500. Uh, one of the keys, one of the key elements for this whole story, like the the one of the key reveals at the end, is that one of the big quests for Tesla long term has been inclusion in the S and P 500 index. And the requirements are that you have to be profitable for four quarters, and then profit like in total, and then profitable for your most le- most recent quarter. Uh, and Tesla is very close to being included in the S and P 500, largely from a lot of this regulatory stuff. And you know, what does that mean for Elon Musk? Well, so so that, this is sort of like the key to understanding like the recent run up, uh, which is that if Tesla made a profit in their most recent quarter, which they just announced results, and, and they made, I, I believe, all of uh, fifteen million dollars. Uh, no, no, they they made a little bit more. So, so they made 104 uh, million dollars in gap net income, uh, which again, this is a company that sold like 20 billion dollars worth of cars last year. So they should be making way more than that. Uh, and and so that sort of cleared the final hurdle to get included in this index. And and this is truly huge. There's there's four trillion dollars in assets. Uh, in S&P 500 index funds. And there's probably $20 trillion in assets that are benchmarked to the S&P 500. It's, it's like literally the only game in town as far as, as these financial products go. Uh, and Tesla, like every other company that gets included in the S&P 500 gets included as like number five, 497. Uh, like it's a small cap company that just becomes big enough to make it across the threshold. Mm-hmm. But Tesla would be like, the number 10th largest company in America. Like it's bigger than Intel and like MasterCard and like all of these other real companies with huge profits. Uh, so suddenly four $4 trillion worth of assets needs to buy 1% of Tesla. And, and they're just going to trip over themselves to put in like literally 20, 30, $40 billion worth of demand for Tesla at whatever the current price is. And that's going to drive the price, you know, sky high. Mm. So, so a huge part of this run-up has just been, you know, obviously the retail traders, but it's also been essentially these index inclusion trades, which is if you assume that the S&P 500 index fund is going to have to buy Tesla at whatever the price is, you know, why don't we buy it now and front run them? Mm. And, and that's, that's probably been sort of the primary catalyst uh, for this huge run. Yeah. And so if you think all the way back to the beginning, where, the, where so much of this, so much of the devotion, so much of its buzz, so much of all of this is just basically based on Elon Musk telling a good story where the sort of libertarian end of neoliberalism just works to deliver a quality of life improvement and also, by the way, delivers a monopoly, that has now translated into him getting included in the S&P 500 by way of like, you know, primarily a, a sort of um, these, uh, this sort of cap and trade logic. And now we have basically had paid uh, in many cases with with tax money or public money or 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 subsidies or even just credits from other car other car companies i've sort of just created him to be this billionaire because he tells a good story it's like jk rowling for redditor guys basically <laughs> what, uh, do you think that's a fair assessment 
Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, the other thing that's remarkable is, and, and, and this is something that gets glossed over a lot, and I definitely want to like, highlight this point. Elon Musk did not found Tesla. It was founded by two random other guys. Uh, and he was basically like an early stage investor who owned like 10 or 15% of the company. Uh, and, and he just sort of kicked them out and fired them and, and like asserted control over the company and then made them sign like these very restrictive non-disclosure agreements where they couldn't go around saying like, actually, I was literally the founder of Tesla and Elon Musk is just like a random guy who bought it from me. Um, mm. So it, it's not even his company. It's something that he, is, he has manufactured the image of himself as a successful entrepreneur when, in fact, he just bought it from somebody else and made it like super big with all of these, these financial gamesmanship and these tricks. Yeah. But hey, you know what? At least I read, I read my fama. There's no such thing as a bubble, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> At least not Le- Leafing through my gigantic copy of Pikachu to see what he says about this. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, I've, I've noticed we've, we've been going a, a little bit long, especially given that we uh, definitely didn't try recording this first beforehand. So um, I think I might take that opportunity uh, to, to wrap it up and to say, uh, Q, thank you so much for uh, giving some of your time to come and talk to us today about this. It's been very interesting. Of course. Uh, I mean, if, if I could say something like Please. sort of corny and a bit moralistic at the end, like, Please do. I, I don't really think Tesla is a bad company because they're like playing with their financial statements and they're like, you know, gaming their pay plan to make Elon Musk very rich. I think that's like that's a symptom of this sort of corrupt and toxic and corrosive culture. Like there are other symptoms too. You know, Tesla for a very long time, uh, like it, it was the car company with the highest injury rate uh, in its sector. And then once that was revealed, there, there's a lawsuit out that's alleging that basically after that, they like stopped giving medical treatment to injured workers uh, because that would require them to report the injury to OSHA. So they would just like, you know, give them a bandaid and tell them to walk it off if they got, you know, cut by a machine or whatever. They use these aggressive like anti-union tactics, uh, you know, to stop the UAW from representing their workers. They do, you know, they've repeatedly flouted like environmental and pollution permits uh, from, from Fremont in, in their paint shop. You know, everything about this company is is like emblematic of toxicity and and like that's at least to me like that's why i think you know they should be shorted because they they should be punished for doing these bad things and the government is clearly not interested in doing that and the markets are clearly not interested in holding them accountable so you know like what mechanism is there other than the guy with the drone yeah other than a guy who's piloting a drone over tesla and like taking measurements of their, their VOC emissions when that should be like a guy from the EPA who's just... That, that guy's the government now. The Shorty <laughs> Air Force are the federal government. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, gonna ha- that's another thing. It's gonna, we always talk about like what America's going to look like as it begins to sort of fracture as, um, st- as states are no longer able to meet crises and sort of deal with shocks uh, sit, uh, symmetrically. Uh, the Shorty Air Force is absolutely going to emerge as like an actual law enforcement body in like the Southern California um, like protectorate. Yeah, you know, J- Jim Chanos is going to be like the Baron of New York. Uh, <laughs> yeah, B- Baron Harkonnen Chanos, I love that. Just floating around on suspensor globes, just shorting stuff. Uh, it's very cool. Uh, but 
yeah, I, I think though, I, I though that's, I think uh, he, what you say is it's important to include, right? Like the other thing, right, is you know we focus sort of I think specifically on, or I've I've tried to focus specifically on like trying to answer that question of why the stock price and the enterprise and the fundamentals of the company don't line up, but that's absolutely not the whole story. There is this, there is this union busting. There is this sort of aggressive, like anti-social corporate behavior. Surprise! You know, there is so much more to Tesla than than just the financials, and it's like every page you turn is just another sort of chapter in this story. Yeah, but on um, the plus side, Elon did just unfollow his wife. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Maybe one day. <laughs> Uh, maybe that—that's all it takes for men to go their own way. Like MGTOW <laughs> just needed to all own like you know insane, massively overvalued car companies. Uh, but with that in mind, uh, I would like to once again thank you for coming on, Q, because I think that was important to include, and we should we should include it uh, and share your insights with us today. Um, and also, thank you to everyone listening. Uh, uh, thank you to our new uh, battalion of Tesla Q listeners. We won't let you down. Um, <laughs> thank you for your service. Yes, thank you uh, to the sh- everyone in the short. Uh, can someone make us a shorty Air Force patch, please? Yes. Um, God, yes. Uh, what about like a thin red line flag for short sellers? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, other than that, uh, you know, the um, comrade Marcus Braun is still arrested. So uh, please, there is our bail funds for him and other uh, other incarcerated people. Other um, prisoners of conscience. Yeah. No, there are actually bail fund links in the description. Um, not that aren't for uh, Dr. Marcus Braun, the world's most German man. Um, they're for Martin Shkreli. Yes, they're also for Martin Shkreli. Uh, they're for Jan Marsalek helping him uh, evade capture. Um but also, uh, you know what it is. There's a Patreon, second uh, two episodes a week, five bucks a week. Um, five bucks a week, five bucks a month, where we have enough to price. Uh, and also, there is a t-shirt link, and you can email Milo, because we're too lazy to set up a Shopify. Um, any, anything else? Any more for any more? Uh, listen it. to Well, There's Your Problem, listen to Britonology, listen to the Boney Island Whitefish. Yeah, 10k uh, posts, all the other podcasts. 10k posts, 10k posts. Yeah, we've got a good one out. Yeah. The next one's a good all, one out. So. All, all the other podcasts that we all started because we were bored in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Q, uh, you can follow Q on Quantian one on Twitter. Uh, do you have anything else that you, uh, that you want to promote? Uh, no, not for yeah. me. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so check, check all that out. Anyways, uh, we will see you on the Patreon. Later, everybody. Bye. Bye.